0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. In Luke chapter 19, we're going to look at the story of the triumphal entry of Christ. We know this as Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday, so happy Palm Sunday to all of you and your family. And um, this is a, this day, this Sunday of... Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem is the beginning of the last week of his life. And uh, so this is what's leading up to the events of Easter. And in Luke chapter 19 and verse 28, we're going to read several verses, but I want to go through the story with you, and then um, we'll discuss these things. Luke nineteen twenty-eight says, When he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near uh, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mountain called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it, to, bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, The owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. Verse 38, Saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Father, thank you for this time together with every family, Lord, that's uh, online with us right now. I pray that the peace and grace of God would be multiplied to them from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you um, as we are at this part uh, in in time, in this year, God, where we are looking toward the hope of the resurrection, the resurrection that has given us hope. And Lord, as we celebrate you this Palm Sunday, we know that, Lord, this this particular event was a temporary kind of triumph. But Lord, when you came up out of that grave, you triumphed over every enemy, every sin, even death itself once for all time. And we thank you for the victory that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As you read the four gospels um, that you'll Discover that one-third of these four books covers this final week of Jesus' life on the earth. Um, This book of Luke that we just read, one-fourth of it is committed to this last week. Half of the book of the Gospel of John is committed to the last week of the life of Jesus. So those who wrote down these stories, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, they're telling us something with that emphasis The most important part of Jesus' life on earth is revealed in this last week of his life. The words that describe the experiences of his last week are a whole variety of emotions that represent ups and downs of this entire week. We know the words Hosanna in the highest. We also know confrontation, we know denial, betrayal, a mockery of a trial. The Roman scourge, the crown of thorns, we know crucifixion, burial, and then the most astonishing and unexpected words, he is not here, he is risen. Palm Sunday at its best is a, as I said earlier, is a day of temporary triumph. But at its worst, it reveals to us the the fickle voice of the people. A week that lifts with shouts of praise. It begins with this acclamation to the son of David, the king of Israel. And then it reveals also in this week the darkness of denial. The darkness of betrayal. A week that shows the weakness of his disciples who ended up fleeing for their lives. The mixed feelings and the indecision of Pontius Pilate himself. And then the agony of His death on that cross. As he hung between those two thieves, one was cursing him all along the way while the other one asked Jesus to remember him when he comes into his kingdom. Then there's the bleakness of that tomb. And then the glorious resurrection. It all begins on this day, Palm Sunday, a day of praise and adoration. Jesus enters Jerusalem for the very last time. Up until this moment, he had purposefully actually um, avoided public acclaim. Many times when he would heal somebody, he would tell them, warn them, don't tell anybody about this. It was hard for the people to keep silent about it, though, because, I mean, their lives were being changed. You know, People were being healed of terrible diseases, and, and, and yet he did not want the fame as much as it was happening anyway. But here on this day, it's like he comes into Jerusalem to make a statement. And boy, does he ever make a statement. He enters Jerusalem in a way that would focus the entire city on him. At this time, it's the time of the Passover. The whole city is teeming with thousands of people from all over the world. So he enters the city of Jerusalem riding on this donkey. And the fact that he rode a donkey and not a horse, he is there signifying he has come for peace. He's not the warrior king that they were looking for. He's not the warrior king that they were expecting. As a matter of fact, we're going to go back in this chapter a little bit, and here in Luke chapter 19, in verse 11, I'll read this to you. It says, Now as they heard these things, this is the crowd hearing what Jesus said. Now as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. They thought this was the time. They were ready for Jesus to make war. They were ready for him to overthrow that Roman occupation and that Roman oppression and to free Israel and to take his rightful place as the son of David, as the king of Israel, and to establish the kingdom here on the earth and that Israel would rise to the ultimate power. But instead, he came in peace, riding on a donkey. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 9. In verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, the, the Gospel of Matthew gives the account that there were two beasts of burden that were brought to Jesus, the, the donkey and then its baby, its, its foal. It is believed by some that Jesus did set upon uh, both of those along the way to Jerusalem. I uh, came across something uh, uh, that some historians and, and different scholars believe that the reason that Jesus rode on the donkey and the little one that had never ridden before is that those two animals represented, the donkey that he sat upon represented the people of Israel under the burden of the law and under the Roman uh, oppression. But also that that little colt, Uh, That had never been written represented the untamed Gentiles. I think that's a pretty good thought. The cheers that greeted Jesus at this time coming into Jerusalem were tremendous. I mean, it was thundering with their praise. His disciples themselves were even caught up in the spirit of the moment to the degree that the Pharisees rebuked the disciples. They turned to Jesus and they tell him, Make them stop saying what they're saying. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The Pharisees. When they heard that, they heard nothing but trouble. They heard nothing but revolt. That's what they were thinking. This first day of Jesus' final week begins with joy and Hosanna in the highest. And it ends with Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. This first day. So what can we say about the beginning of this holy week that will help us where we live right now? As Jesus is greeted with great joy. He deserved to be greeted with great joy. I mean, after all that he had done, I mean, he had been drawing huge crowds for some time. The people, they were glad to hear him. They ran wherever he was, wherever they heard that he was. Uh, They would quickly gather. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted him to touch them. They had sickness. They had needs. And this man was meeting needs. This man was performing miracles. And this man was bringing a message of hope to them. His words of grace and truth spoke right to their hearts as they do to all of us here today. The authority of his presence was commanding. The things that he did were astonishing. He opened the blind eyes. He made the deaf hear again. He healed the lame. Those who had been bedridden, he called them up off of their beds and they were made whole. He fed thousands of people with a meal that was only prepared for one. He rebuked the storm, commanded it to cease. And it did. The winds and the waves both obeyed him. He cast out devils. And he raised the dead. He stirred up hope in the hearts of the people, wherever he went. He taught them about the kingdom of God and about the the character of our Father in heaven, the goodness of God. When he said things like, If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? But most of the time when Jesus taught these lofty kingdom truths, he communicated them in stories, everyday life kind of stories, that the people could understand, where they could relate to it, where they could get it. Parents brought their children to him, and he took the time to take their children up in his arms and bless them. He was rightfully met with joy on this first day of his final week. This triumphal entry, however, though, on Palm Sunday, it would mark the end of the spontaneous public approval of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. As the week progresses, things go down quick all the way to Good Friday. From a a murderous plan that is forged by the, the temple leaders, the religious leaders, and then, to betrayal from one of his own, which would ultimately lead to his rest, his arrest, his trial, and his execution, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is in agony, he is greatly distressed, the scripture says, and his physical body literally begins to break down under the pressure of what's coming upon him. I believe this is when God the Father begins to transfer the sins of all mankind upon this perfect, spotless Lamb of God. And it begins to affect him physically. Luke, the physician, writes that Jesus sweat great drops of blood. And while Jesus is in such an hour of need and he asks his disciples to pray with him, they sleep instead. He gets Peter, James, and John and brings them even closer to him than the other ones and said, pray with me. I need you to pray with me. But instead of praying, they slept. They sense this danger that's happening. There's danger in the air. Peter, but Peter told Jesus, listen, I don't care if everybody abandons you. All of these guys can leave. I will never do that. And just a few hours later, he's the one who's saying I never knew him, denying him three times. They voiced their their loyalty to him that night of his arrest and, and leading up to that arrest. No, we're all with you, Jesus. But by morning, they're fleeing from him in fear. Think about it. I mean, as Jesus is making his way toward Calvary, he's bearing the weight of his own cross upon his shoulders. His body is lacerated with wounds from that Roman scourge. His head bears a crown of thorns crushed down upon it. And he stumbles his way toward Calvary until finally he hits the ground. He can't go on anymore. You would think one of his disciples would leap out of the crowd to rush to his rescue to pick up that cross to help him carry the load, but they're not around. The Romans forced this stranger, this foreigner by the name of Simon of Cyrene and force him to help Jesus carry his cross. Where are his disciples? Where is the loyalty? Where are the ones who said, I'll, 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 I'm with you all the way, Jesus? Nowhere. These guys had just proclaimed, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And now they're... Afraid for their lives. When Napoleon Bonaparte was traveling through Switzerland with his army, he was greeted with thunderous applause. And one of his supporters said, It must be wonderful to be greeted with such adoration, to which Napoleon Bonaparte said, That's nonsense. These same unthinking crowd would just as eagerly follow me to watch me hang at the gallows, should the circumstances be different. When Jesus did enter this city of Jerusalem, it's interesting, he weeps over it. He wept over Jerusalem because he saw it as a place of lost opportunity. He tried, but they continued to reject him. He he explained clearly his mission time and time again, but they just wouldn't hear it, or they just didn't get it. Even his own close circle of followers, they seem to, at times, have their own agendas and ambitions, you know, fighting for who's the greatest in the kingdom of God or or who's going to sit closest to Jesus uh, in the kingdom. Where one would end up denying him, another one would betray him. I mean, this is enough to make anyone weep. Why did Jesus persist, though, in going to Jerusalem? His disciples were trying to stop him because they knew what was ahead. They knew that this was a dangerous time at why would he do that knowing that nothing but danger and suffering was waiting for him there was a little girl named april who lived in a foster home she had lived in several foster homes passed around one from one home to another she she began to as a result retreat into a world of fantasy and dreams and just singing little songs to herself and as they observed her some you know, experts studied her and just figured that she had some real brain damage. She had special needs. But actually, April was fine. She was just using this, it was a coping mechanism uh, in dealing with her issues, no doubt, the main issue of rejection. She finally ended up in a home um, run by an elderly couple who had 15 other children there. And the reason they had those 15 children is because they were paid to keep them. And uh, they were very hard, they were very demanding, and sometimes cruel to the children. But April found joy in fantasy and sang songs that she just made up, and she would write them down and put them in an envelope and mail them to someone. The elderly couple caught on to this. They didn't like that she was sending mail out, um, because they were afraid that uh, she might write a letter that criticized Uh, their way of doing things and that it would fall into the hands of the authorities and the children would be taken away and now their income is lost. So they told her that she couldn't write any more letters, nor could she sing any more songs. But it wasn't long before April was writing more songs and writing them down again. And one day the elderly wife watched April take this envelope outside, but instead of going to the mailbox, she climbed the tree in the front yard. And she put it between two limbs up there and made her way back into the house. So the woman told her husband what had just happened. So he went out to the tree, put a ladder up against it, made his way up there and retrieved the letter from the fork. And when he opened it, they expected to read, you know, help me, get me out of here. These people are terrible. Instead, the words said, whoever finds this letter, I love you. The reason Jesus is going to Jerusalem is because he loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whoever believes on him, he says, I love you. I love you. He wept because he knew that they would not respond to him. He knew that they would reject him. He knew this whole thing was an opportunity missed. Earlier in this passage, we see the phrase, The Lord has need of it when he asks for the colt. There are people right now that need our love, that need our help. And the Lord has need of us to be used for his glory. He needs our love and our help. The question that arises during this Holy Week is, do we have anything that we are willing to share with him, that we're willing to give to him? What do you have that you can give to him who has given you everything? including eternal life. All of us should ask the question, where can I give my gifts to his glory and to his use? It brings him great pleasure when we give to him. The Lord has need of you. The Lord has need of his church. And right now we're doing the best we can with how things are. But there are ways. There are ways to reach others. There are ways to minister. There are ways to give to others. Ask the Lord to help you and to show you so that you can be one use for his glory. It all begins first by giving him our hearts, and that's why he came to this earth. Jesus said, I have come, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. This triumphal entry, though being a temporary triumph, it speaks to us today. It speaks to us to never let this glorious salvation ever wane or ever get dull. or Let us not lose the wonder and the awe of what it means to be a child of God, but to always stay in awe of Him and to live our lives that reflect that. To always have a day, every day, where we lift up our voice and we bless Him and we praise the name of Jesus. Let that never, ever Leave your lips. The Bible says that what now, what do we do now with this great salvation after He's done everything that He's done? Let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Won't you take a moment right now and just lift your voice? There, you there with your family, just say, Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you overcame death, hell, and the grave. Thank you that you are our triumphant Savior, our triumphant Lord, our triumphant King. We thank you, Lord, that you decided that you were going to do this all the way. You were going to look death in the face, Lord, and not flinch. Hallelujah. Thank you that you took up the cause of the black sheep. Thank you, Father God, that you came to seek and to save all who were lost and that you bring us such a great salvation salvation, that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And in that message, whoever believes that message has everlasting life. We thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for your protection and over every household here. Your name is above every name. Your word says, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Nothing by any means shall harm you Listen, I know right now you're inundated with all this news. Don't let it get to you. You remember who you are. You remember who your God is. He is greater, and greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. You speak his word. Continue to speak his word over your life. Push back against this nonsense in Jesus' name. This is nothing but the works of darkness, and the devil only knows how to do one thing, lose. All right, so he's setting himself for a big-time loss. Remember, you're on the winning side. God is on your side, and no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. Amen. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you came. Your word says, "Blessed, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your disease, who redeems your life from destruction. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.